Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters, conquerors, and him who loved us. It's a time of war. On a dusty battlefield far from the comforts of civilization, two superpowers are gripped in a battle that will decide the future of the world. This war has raged for a really long time, but now, finally, the two great rivals have come face to face in a battle to the death. This great battle is taking place somewhere between the years about 25 and 30 AD. And if you told a historian that, that a battle of this importance would be happening in that span of years, they might look at you with a little bit of surprise. You see, history remembers that general period of time with the phrase, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, a period where the Roman Empire had so dominated their portion of the world that effectively they were able to put an end to big wars and ensure relative peace. But it isn't what it looks like. Because even if nobody in the Roman world is aware of it, there is a battle raging. A battle more important than any ever fought. And it's that important because of its combatants. On one side of the battlefield, he goes by the title, the prince of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the prowling lion, the devil himself, Satan. On the other side of the battlefield, the Prince of Peace, the King of Glory, the Lord mighty in battle, Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. This week we're beginning our journey through Lent. And Lent is a time of war, a time when we see how Jesus came into the world to do battle with the devil. But it's not a battle like we might have expected. When Jesus finally meets Satan in combat, he doesn't come with an army of angels at his back or riding in a heavenly chariot or brandishing a sword. No, Jesus comes alone in the wilderness. After 40 days with no food, starving, lonely, only having the wild animals for comfort, it's not the kind of circumstances where you would imagine someone would win a battle. If you've ever read anything about military history, you know that if you're in charge of orchestrating a war, your job is to make sure that the battles take place under circumstances that are most advantageous to your side and most disadvantageous to your enemy. You want your side well-fed, well-rested, well-supplied, holding good ground, outnumbering the enemy. Meanwhile, you want your enemy starving, too hot or too cold, tired, with fewer numbers on bad ground. And if we apply that to what we see here when Jesus goes to battle with the devil, then by appearances, I think we would have to conclude that Satan has Jesus right where he wants him. Vulnerable in absolutely every way. 
By appearances, it looks like Jesus should not be able to triumph in circumstances like this. By appearances, Jesus looks like a loser, or at least he's about to be. But it's not what it looks like. In fact, it's the exact opposite of what it looks like, because when Jesus meets the devil in the wilderness of Judea on that battlefield, Despite all the appearances, Jesus has the devil right where he wants him. Jesus has come to be our substitute, to obey God perfectly in the way we never could, and so to fight Satan in a circumstance where every variable is in the devil's favor, and still for Jesus to win. That is exactly Jesus' battle strategy. That is exactly the point to face every one of the devil's harshest and most vicious temptations and defeat them all. Had we been there facing Satan in the wilderness, that battle would have been over before it began. We know we couldn't face those types of temptations that Jesus did because, well, frankly, we face temptations in much lesser circumstances every day, and we still give in. Sometimes we put up a, a token resistance to the devil, but other times we are, all too happily to, we are all too happy to defect into the devil's camp. But not Jesus. Jesus came to do battle in our place, and he came to win. To obey God perfectly, to obey God's commands perfectly in our place and to demonstrate to the devil that here is one person you cannot beat. Jesus remained steadfast on the word of God and he proclaimed that beautiful gospel message to the world and Satan couldn't vanquish it. Not in the wilderness, not in Jesus' long and difficult ministry, not even when Jesus died on a cross. A cross. An instrument of torture designed to declare to everyone who saw it like a billboard that the person hanging there was a disgrace and a loser. You know, we see crosses so often that sometimes I don't think it registers with us how much of a scandal this was. A crucified savior that looks anything, that looks like anything but victory. When we read about Jesus' crucifixion and we hear those who were gathered at the foot of the cross mocking him, saying, well, Jesus, God must not be on your side because he's not doing anything to help you. Come down and then we'll believe. When they're saying those sorts of things, they are not fools. Everything they witnessed screamed defeat. It screamed that Jesus was the furthest thing from a conqueror. Jesus was a disgraceful loser in every way. And has anything really changed? How many look at the church with, with, with shock or, or with amusement or maybe even disgust because somehow it has managed to convince a bunch of simpletons like us of a ridiculous message. 
that a peasant preacher executed in first century Judea has somehow won for us eternal benefits before the God who didn't intervene to save him. It doesn't look like victory. But we know better. We know it isn't what it looks like. Hear the words of St. Paul from our gospel reading this morning. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus rose from the dead to prove once and for all that the war he had come to fight with the devil had been a victory. That Satan had been defeated. That Jesus was a conqueror. I know you believe that. It's why you're here this morning. It's why you've come to follow him through Lent, through Holy Week, up to Mount Calvary, to the cross, because you know that after Good Friday comes Easter Sunday, when we will sing our hearts out in joy and praise to Jesus for his triumphant resurrection over the devil in victory. I know you believe that. But I also know that every one of you is fighting your own war against the devil. And I know that that war, your war, often doesn't look very much like victory. The Christian's battle against Satan is long and it's difficult. Satan is a horrible adversary. He is a master tactician. He knows to, how to get us exactly at the moments when we're vulnerable, when we're tired, when we're stressed, when we're upset. He exploits moments of weakness to take us down. He throws trials and temptations into our lives. When the Apostle Paul, in our lesson for today, lists all of the things in a Christian's life that would make a Christian feel like a loser, he is not choosing the trivial ones. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. If that's the description of a Christian's war, then it is the furthest thing from victory. It looks by all appearances that we are losers outmatched in every way, hopeless, about to be annihilated. Do you feel like a loser? When the temptations of the devil ally themselves with the darkness in your own sinful heart and you are led to do those things that you know God hates, do you feel like a loser? When you have fallen into sin, and the devil comes again to whisper in your ear that this time was once too many, that maybe God could have forgiven you before, but not now, no way. Do you feel like a loser? We look at our lives and, and we see defeat piled atop defeat, and it is so easy to believe what the devil tells us. Your war is over. You've lost. 
you'd best surrender now. Jesus may or may not have died for sinners, but not, not for sinners like you. And yet, right after the Apostle Paul lists all of these things that would make a Christian look and feel like a loser, he says this, No, in all these things, in all these trials and temptations where you feel defeated, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How can that be? Because it isn't what it looks like. Not the war that Jesus fought against Satan. And not the war that you fight against him either. Jesus won. Jesus came and did battle with the devil and won a victory for you. Jesus obeyed God's laws and God's decrees perfectly for you. Jesus gives his victory, a victory won in blood and sweat and thorns and iron nails to you. You are not a loser. God does not condemn you. How do we know? Because Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God's love for you is guaranteed, and the proof is not that he allows you to live a life without hardship, without temptation or trial. No, the proof of God's love for you is that he sent you his son. He sent his son in your place to battle the devil in your place, to carry out God's commands perfectly in your place. And that, brothers and sisters, is God's absolute guarantee that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, your Lord. The Christian's life is a long and difficult battle full of trials. Those trials are difficult. On this side of eternity, they'll never go away. But they are not proof that God doesn't love you or that he's forsaken you. It might look like you're too weak, that Satan is too strong, that your battle is turning into defeat. It might look like that. But it's not what it looks like. God gave his son for you. There's no condemnation. Nothing will separate you from his love. Christian life is a trial like the one that we saw Abraham facing. That was an immense trial. Many of us maybe won't come anywhere close to facing what Abraham had to face. 
But look at that trial in Abraham's life. God did not allow it because he didn't love Abraham. No, exactly the opposite. God used that trial to prove to Abraham that the thing that Abraham had placed his trust in was genuine. That Abraham could believe God because God keeps his word. The same is true for you too. The proof of God's love for you is not that he allows you to live a life without hardship. The proof is that he sent his son to save you. To come in your place, to fight the war that you couldn't, and to emerge victorious. Jesus was not a loser. Jesus was a conqueror. And by God's grace, so are you. Amen.